Fontana rolling out the right, looking toward the end zone, throwing under pressure, throws his pass. Caught by Clark. Clark got a touchdown. Troy Clark has it. It's a touchdown for the 49ers. You're now listening to the 4th and Gold Podcast with Javi and Matt. Welcome to the 4th and Gold Podcast, an NFC Championship edition of the 4th and Gold Podcast. Uh, it's been a great season. The Niners are 13-3 and and one win away from getting to the Super Bowl for the seventh time in franchise history. Uh, the Niners come in relatively healthy. Niners come in favorites, heavy favorites, yep. and I think all four Niners faithful have a lot of reasons to be confident about this game. But in our, in the words of our illustrious leader Kyle Shanahan, don't be stupid. This is a game that can go any way, at any time in this in this upcoming matchup. Um, I'm Javi. Matt, what is up, dude? This week is dragging by so slow. So yeah. slow. Every day I look at the every day at work, I look at the clock, and it's just it's a tick, tick. <laughs> it's it's miserable. It's miserable. It's so slow, dude. I'm so pumped for this, man. It's the NFC Championship game. You know, 49ers fans, 49ers haven't been back in the situation since 2013, it was 2014 yeah. technically when they played yeah. it against the Seahawks in Seattle. We had that heartbreak where Richard Sherman knocked knocked up the knocked the pass away from Crabtree. But guess what? Richard Sherman's playing for the good guys now. So, very excited for this. Second ever playoff game in Levi's Stadium. Uh, I'm, I I can barely contain my excitement. I may not sound like it, but I am super pumped. Uh, Yeah, this is the 4th and Gold Podcast. I'm Javi. That is Matt. Catch the podcast on all podcast platforms, Google, iTunes, wherever podcasts are found. And then follow the podcast on Twitter at 4th and Gold Podcast. Um, I would say I'm there with you. I'm excited for the game, but I'm also extremely nervous um extremely anxious you know my stomach's in knots you'd at you'd think i was playing the game but it's the magnitude of this game you know you don't want the season to end without being the super bowl being in the super bowl or being the super bowl champ you don't want the season to end after everything has gone so right at a on, on on a 13 and 3 season you know you only lost games to the seahawks and to the to the ravens by three points and then you lose one a game you shouldn't have lost against the Falcons, you know, by whatever that was, eight points. You know, you, you've had everything go right to this point. Why not? Why can't we get to the Super Bowl? Why, what is preventing us from getting there? And the last roadblock is the Green Bay Packers, is Aaron Rodgers, is a team that has had the Niners number in, you know, playoff history, but not recently because, of course, Colin Kaepernick decided to uh, run like a gazelle twice on them. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you've had the Alex Smith win a game against them, and then, of course, the opening the opening game in 2013 where the Niners just, you know, where, where Colin Kaepernick and Anquan Bolden decided to be Jerry Rice and Joe Montana, you know, yeah. in that game. Um, so there's, you know, there's reason for me to be this way, and there's also reason for me to not be this way because the last time they played it was 37-8, but that game doesn't matter. There's reasons for that game being that way. You know, does Aaron Rodgers fumble on the initial drive and we get the ball at the two-yard line? Does that change things? Devontae Adams and his personal um, unnecessary roughness call, that changes the drive completely. Um, you know, a fumble here, you got no running game from the Packers. There's going to be different things in this game um, that may go differently. And, you know, it's, there's always a reason for concern. I've said it before about Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson is still walking and, and talking and breathing and everything else, the Seahawks have a chance. And I feel the same way about Aaron Rodgers. As long as he's walking and breathing, there's a chance for the Packers to win a game. And that's, and that's the concern. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, exact it's just crazy. I'm the exact opposite. I, I have kind of lost a lot of faith in Aaron Rodgers. And I know I'm setting I'm setting everybody up. I'm setting everybody <laughs> up by saying this. I've lost a little bit of faith in Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's the same quarterback. I, I, the last drive of the game, I'm taking Russell Wilson over Aaron Rodgers 10 times out of 10. I'll tell you that okay, right now. It's fair. not even close. I'm taking him 10 times out of 10. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been all that great. I mean, stats aren't the only thing. We say it all the time. Don't, don't, don't just look at stats. 
But for as much crap as Jimmy Garoppolo takes, him and Aaron Rodgers' numbers are very similar this year. They yes, are very, very similar. So. Very similar. Now, now, Garoppolo has more interceptions. Sure. But both of them put up similar yards and similar touchdowns. And I don't think we can sit here and just automatically assume Aaron Rodgers is that top-tier guy. Look, if the Packers had to play in the wildcard round instead of the Saints, this might be a completely different story. Saints might be coming to town, right? But the Packers had the tiebreaker over the Saints, so they get that first round by. They get to play a banged-up Seahawks team. They barely beat that banged-up Seahawks team. Now, it's not easy for 49ers fans to sit here and say that because, what, we played two close games against them, right? Obviously losing overtime on a field goal, and then it comes down to the one-inch line. Dre Greenlaw, Bill Barnwell, D-plus impact. Dre Greenlaw, next play of the year. <laughs> play of the year. And and so it, it, I don't know. The Packers just don't – they don't instill fear in me like they used to. They don't. They've been out of the playoffs for a couple of years, just like the Niners. Um, you know, the team is very talented, but talent doesn't make a good football team. Talent does not make a good football team. If talent is all that mattered – the Browns the, the, the only Super thing that matters. The Browns and the Cowboys would be meeting in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But talent isn't the only thing that matters. And I think that when it comes down to the intangibles, I think the 49ers have those intangibles when you look at, I mean, the list goes on. But Akella Witherspoon wanting Emmanuel Mosley's special team snaps so Mosley can focus on defense. Uh, George Kittle doesn't ask for passes. He wants to know when they're going to run the ball so he can block someone into the dirt. You know, the, the, this team is just filled with guys that want to be a part of a team, and this is the yeah. most. This is the best I've ever felt about a 49ers team. This is I feel I feel better about this team than I felt about any of the Harbaugh teams, and it's not even close. Yeah, you know, and that's that's, a, that, that's that's how that's, that's how a, I feel. That's the scary part, right? You know, you, you feel so good about it, like it's 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 supposed to be, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. You know, it's like it's this is. This is it. This is how it's supposed to go. Like we're supposed to be in the Super Bowl. We're supposed to, you know, make a run the way we've made the run because everything has gone so right. And that's that's where my you know that's where my pause is. And it's just like because I've been a 49er fan since I was a kid. You know, they've they've let me down more so in my <laughs> lifetime than they've they've you know come through for me as a, as a fan. You know what I mean? So you know you have you have you have those years where Steve Young struggled against the Packers or struggled in the playoffs. You have the years mm-hmm. with Jeff Garcia where he struggled in the playoffs, except for that Giants game. And if it wasn't for T.O. doing T.O. things, Niners probably lose that game too. Um, you know, the Garrison Hurst, he, he shatters his ankle in, in the NFC mm-hmm. title game against the Falcons. He, the, the Kyle Williams fumbles twice. He, the Richard Sherman tip. Like, there's just... There's so much reason for consecutive me. fades. Just yeah, there's so yeah. many reasons for me to be so cautious, and I think I think a lot of fans are that way as well, and which is fine. And I, I you know, when I talk to other Niner fans, like we got this, we got this, and I wish I had that kind of confidence. But I also think at the end of the day, the Niners are going to win by ten. So it's just like I don't know where to be <laughs> with this game, you know. And you know, and the thing this week, you know, the biggest thing this week is you know, there's always this, there's always looking, they're always looking for a story, and the biggest one, the most annoying one, I'm gonna just, this is a hobby rant right now, and it's yes. it's the Aaron Rodgers thing. Like, we passed on Aaron Rodgers in 2005. Okay, that was 15 fucking years ago. <laughs> 15 years ago, one Aaron Rodgers is probably over it. Aaron Rodgers also has a losing record versus the 49ers, four and five, and all five of his losses have become, have come against Niners teams that have winning winning records. Two losses in the playoffs to the Niners. Like, it's not, yes, cool, you wanted to play for the Niners, but you, you know, you probably didn't hold the door open for your mother, and that's why the Niners didn't want you. You know, Mike Nolan didn't <laughs> want to, Mike Nolan was part of that team. And, you know, the whole thing about the Niners passing him, there was, he went 24th. 22 other teams passed on him, too. Like, it's not just the Niners who passed on him, there were so many other teams that passed on Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, yes, the Niners have been, um, you know, they haven't been as successful as the Packers or whatever, but in this last decade, they have the same amount of NFC Championship game appearances as the Packers. They have four each. And Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. We've had Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith make it to those NFC Championship games, and now Jimmy Garoppolo. So we've had three quarterbacks make the same number of NFC Championship games as Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers hasn't been in the Super Bowl this decade. Or has he? Was it 2010 that they made it? You know, it's just, it's time to get over it. Packers fans, get over it. And Aaron Rodgers, get over it. Niners fans, ignore it. It is what it is. And that's it's just it's super annoying at this point. Like, I don't give a shit 
that we we passed on him in 2005. The trajectory of the team when we drafted him, may, it wouldn't have been the same. You know, there's no there was no Brett Favre on this Niners team when when Alex and Aaron Rodgers were drafted. You know, who's to say Aaron Rodgers is the same Aaron Rodgers as he is now if he was a Niner with all the change and all the dysfunction in the franchise? Like, it's just a stupid narrative. Like, NFL Network, ESPN, be better, but I know you won't, so whatever. It's just so overblown because they do it every time these two teams play. Every time. Every time. And I put it on Twitter today, take a drink whenever you hear about it. Guess what? Here, I'm taking a drink. It's- there it is. I took a drink because we're talking about it. And I'm telling you, I'll join you in the grave because if you drink every time you think about it, it's it's nuts. He wore a Joe Montana jersey when he was young. Cool. I wore a Steve Young jersey. I wanted to be a 49er when I grew up. Guess what? I'm sitting here talking about it instead. Exactly. Not everybody watched- plays for the team they want to play for. Jimmy look, Garoppolo probably grew up wishing he played for the Bears. Look, Guess what? He doesn't, but he's happy to beat him on Sundays. Look, no I, I one watched, cares. These, this is so uh, overblown and done. If Aaron Rodgers is still holding on to this grudge of not being drafted first overall, this is why he loses to the 49ers in the playoffs. This is why the 49ers have his number because he has it in his head mentally that he got slighted by this team, and he has something to prove, and it is a mental block that is stopping him from winning. And if that's what it is, I love it so much because I do not like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, if I mean, that's exactly like, what's holding him up. I love it. This is talk about it forever. If it's going to continue to get Aaron Rodgers to just have this mental block in his head, because I'm so sick of hearing about it, though. I'm so sick of exa- hearing about it. It doesn't matter. Exactly. You know, I wake up first thing in the morning is is the uh, the Niners are going to regret it, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, like. What's there to regret? Like, okay, you've had your success. You know, we may not end up with Joe Staley or Patrick Willis or, you know, Frank Gore or, you know, these guys that went through this Vernon Niners Davis, franchise. Vernon Davis. Year. You know, there's there's just a list of things that have to happen for, for that to even matter. And it's just a stupid narrative. You know, like, yeah, we get it. You know, Tom Brady was picked 199. Like, it's just an old story at this point. Like, it doesn't... It's just something that they're regurgitating, and it's it's annoying. You know, like you said, I wore a Steve Young jersey when I was a kid. I wore a Jerry Rice jersey when I was a kid. I wore a Ricky Waters jersey when I was a kid. I also wanted to be a fucking Navy pilot, but that didn't happen either. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just things things don't go your way sometimes. I'm sure there's players who didn't go to the team that they wanted to go to. It just is what it is. You know, Callan Kaepernick was raised in Wisconsin. He grew up watching the Packers, but he was a Niner fan. And he got drafted by Niners. Sometimes it works out in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, it's just, it is what it is, and it's just a lazy narrative, and I think we both have beaten that to a dead horse, or beaten a dead horse, or however the fuck you say it. Um, I'm not good with those type of sayings. Let's talk about something that's really good. John Lynch. Yeah. John Lynch. Our boy. So, you know, John Lynch took a lot of shit for the first two years, and it's, it, you can't really give a lot of shit to John Lynch because of the draft picks and things like that. It's his first year, the kind of, the, the first year we understood the issues you know, with Reuben Foster and Solomon Thomas, but you still ended up with George Kittle, you know, that yep. first draft. You, you got George Kittle out of it, and that's, that's you know, from what all I can count is that's that's a huge plus. You, you get Kyle Juszczyk. You got Robbie Gold that year. You know, you, you started to establish a team, and, you know, he's done fairly well, and I like I said, I always thought this was a three- to four-year rebuild. We're in year three. We're in the NFC Championship game. You know, yep. that's that's growth that's going in the right direction and what matters the most and how most gms are are, are graded and, and and evaled is what you do with the quarterback position they made a trade they got jimmy garoppolo they put up their they put on their big boy pants and signed a big boy contract for jimmy garoppolo to stay on this team so they did they've done all the right things so far with a few hiccups you know with some of the signings and you know maybe a couple misses here and there with the draft picks but no GM is perfect in the draft no GM is perfect in free agency I'm glad he's been aggressively prudent I'm glad he's been um, you know a walking TED talk cuz I'd rather have that than Trent Balky who just doesn't fucking speak you know I'd rather have some transparency transparency from a franchise you know, we didn't get this kind of stuff with Trent Bulky. We didn't get 49 hours. We didn't get this kind of access to the team. We didn't get the interviews from KMBR that, you know, you can listen to every other week where John Lynch will give you 15, 20 minutes of his time, you know? Hey, look, John John Lynch is, has never met a microphone he didn't want to talk into or a hand he didn't want to shake. Correct. And I'm cool with it. I'm yeah. absolutely cool with it. I, I, like, I love the transparency. I think that limits on leaks, right? Because we, we, when, when Harbaugh was there, everything was locked tight, not saying a word. Come in, you're done. Well, leaks start to happen because this pressure builds up and there's nothing getting out. So all these guys are just sitting on all this information and it's not being disseminated to anyone. So reporters need to know. 
Yeah. They started asking probing questions. No one's asking these guys probing questions because they're so open and forthcoming with the information. I yeah. love it. I absolutely love it. But the reason we're talking about John Lynch. Yeah. Is because John Lynch won executive of the year. Yep. He won executive of the year. And I think it all comes down to the players you named and the players they've assembled in, in these moves that people questioned. Quan Alexander, why are you paying him that much money? Why, why, are you, why are you only making a move for Jimmy Ward? Why, why are you going out and getting Sherman? He's washed. That Achilles, he's done. Yeah. Why, why, why are you going out and, and, and getting Weston Richburg? He was a bum. You know, he can't do it. And then we saw him this year until he got hurt this year. You know, he was great. Look, yeah. all the moves that the front office has made, and now all of them have paid off. You, you mentioned two people, no, Solomon Thomas and Ruben Foster. You know, Dante Pettis hasn't worked out. There's a whole mess of moves that haven't worked out. But they're batting over 500 right now. When you're trying Easily. to rebuild a team, if you're batting over 500, you're doing fine. Yeah. You're doing fine. None of this stuff is they, – they got the right pieces. They got the right players. They've assembled the right group of guys, mentality of guys, where they have a, a nice combination of veteran leadership, where they go out and they trade for somebody like Emmanuel Sanders, who's played in the Super Bowl, who's played in the playoffs, and he comes out and, and, and the 49ers faithful just accept him with wide open arms. Yeah. And he reciprocates it right back. It, John Lynch made incredibly smart, crafty moves, and he knows that sometimes a proven commodity right now is better than an unknown next year. Yeah. And he's made those moves. He made that move with Jimmy Garoppolo. He made that move with Emmanuel Sanders. They, they made that move with D Ford. Yeah. Right? They've gone out and they've, they've assembled these pieces that are just... The reason the team is winning right now is because the team that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have put together, and I think those two go hand in hand. Because I really do truly believe that's a partnership. Yeah. Between and, the two. You know, and, and with, with John Lynch and as far as his drafting and things like that, you know, Keller Witherspoon, he's been, you know, hit and miss his whole career. But, you know, he's still a contributing factor to this team. Um, George Kittle, obviously, we know who George Kittle is. Mm -hmm. uh, DJ Jones, before he got hurt, was probably one of the better defense tackles in the league. That's Easily. just draft one. You know, and you, you can see them the misses. But Solomon Thomas has come on a little bit stronger here the last couple of weeks, and maybe there's something there. Maybe Solly is a playoff guy. Maybe he's a big game guy. Maybe he's just getting more opportunities in the middle. So maybe that we, we can wait on, you know, shitting on Solomon. But, you know, if you hit four out of the nine picks you got, that's a good that's a pretty good draft. Then year two, McGlinchey. Pettis yeah. had a great year the second year. Uh, his first year, excuse me, not so much this year. Fred Warner is a top three linebacker in the league. Home run. Tavarius Moore was a big contributor in the first three, four weeks of the season. He's also a contributor in special teams. Mm -hmm. Contavious Street, he didn't play his first year, but he played this year. He had some meaningful snaps. G DJ Reed steps in when Kwan Williams is injured. He does a fairly mm -hmm. good job. Marcel Harris has had some big impact plays for the Niners team. Julian Taylor had a monster game against the Redskins. He's been mm -hmm. a big factor. And Richie James has been fairly good in punt returns, kick returns, and has had some explosive plays. So second-year draft, awesome. This year, Nick Bosa, Rookie of the Year. Debo grand Samuels, slam. Debo Samuels, a thousand total purpose Another yards. Another slam. Mitch Wisnowski's done fairly well at the punt game and kick game. Dre Greenlaw, first team All Rookie team. Um, Justin School, a big contributor. You know, you're you're hitting on those picks, and then of course the free agency, like you said, um, with 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 D Ford, with Quan Alexander, with Weston Richburg. Yes, we missed on Jet McKinnon, but you hit on 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 Juszczyk and and Robbie Gold and. Marquise Gooden, when he was playing, you know, at a high level, he was doing fairly well for this team. So there's been enough good. There's been more good than bad with John Lynch over the first Easily. three years, and he got he got unfairly criticized because the team was losing. You start really picking at holes into the team without putting context to it. The team was injured the first two years. The team was missing a quarterback the first two years. You get a quarterback. Oh, they win five games. What a miracle! What happens when you get a fucking quarterback? who's competent enough to get the job done, and you start winning five games. And then you go into the next year, you know, with a lot of hype. Jimmy gets hurt again. Of course you're going to lose games. It just happens, you know. And then this year, Jimmy's healthy. The team is relatively healthy. They have their little bit of a um, rough patch in the middle of the season, but they survived it because they've built so much depth. And a lot of that credit goes to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. But John Lynch has a GM title, so he gets the credit. That's his yep. That's his baby. He helped build this 90-man roster, cut it down to 53, 
and he has a 46 game, 46 person game day roster that Kyle Shanahan most likely you know puts in place. But John Lynch deserves a lot of credit. People need to get off his back. It was a full rebuild. No one expected this team to be, you know, fucking ten and six year one, or or even in the playoffs. Same thing with the year two, and the expectation was so weird because of that little bit of hope that we got from Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of the year. I yep. still thought the team needed some more improvements, and they got them, and they've they've built the team the right way, and here they are, thirteen and three in the NFC Championship game. Thank you, John Lynch, and everyone out there who hated on the guy. Go sit down in the corner and think about what you did. <laughs> Yeah, let's 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 not mistake it. We're gonna to touch on this one last thing, and then we're gonna get back to the game at hand. Yeah, but let's not mistake this. When John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan took over, this was the worst roster in football. This was the worst roster in football. Yeah, it's not even close. It's not even close. Now, when you're when you're talking about, they like to talk about what coaches do in their first year, and Shanahan takes a lot of shit. Yeah, because his first two years didn't go well. Well. Sean McVay, his first year, oh, that he turns around and go to the playoffs. He inherited the keys to a Ferrari, right? He gets the keys and he just gets to go. It's like when Harbaugh came in in 2011. It was an underperforming team that had all the pieces where they needed to be. He just needed one good draft to kind of push him over the top. Yeah. That's what they got. Harbaugh gets to come in, install his offense. All of a sudden you realize, oh, shit, we're just going to run the ball with Frank Gore 25 times a game. <laughs> it's going to work. The defense is really good. This is going to work. Imagine that, right? Well, Shanahan, he had to go out back and he had to like grab the $400 car that only had one tire on it. That's mm-hmm. what he got in 2017. Yeah. And he's now turned it into a Maserati. Yeah. And this thing's humming. Um, on another note, Shanahan did not win Coach of the Year. Understandable. So the Coach, the coach, the, yeah, coach of the Year went to Harbaugh and Greg Roman. Makes sense. John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh and Greg Roman. Yeah, so, not the one in Michigan. Yeah, Michigan Not sucks. the one in Michigan. Because <laughs> chicken's a... a a, a, a terror, a, a scared bird. So oh, you can't, God. can't, Jim's, you can't win. But Jim's falling a, off. I don't know what's going on with Jim. He, he's a head case man. But no, John Harbaugh and and, and Greg Roman win Coach of the Year. I, I think they deserved it. Yeah. Uh, this is a regular season award. Mm-hmm. Just like Lamar is going to win MVP. Even yep. a lot of people are clamoring for Derrick Henry to win. But guess what? Yeah, it's it's a regular season award. And during a regular season, the best player was Lamar Jackson. Easily during during the. During the regular season, the best coaches were John Harbaugh and Greg Roman. That's fine. They can win those awards because guess what? They're sitting at home right now. Yep. They are not like the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. So let's get back to the game now. Yeah. There's, a, there's some pieces that are going to be back for both teams in this game. Both teams yeah. are missing some very key players just to, just to hit on it for the 49ers. Staley was out for this game yep. in Week 12. So was Quan. So was D Ford. All yep. three of those guys coming back. Correct. You'll get into which of those players you think are going to make the biggest impact later. But for the for the Packers, was it Belaga or Bakhtiari that went out early? It was Belaga. Belaga, right? yeah, Belaga. Belaga went out like nine snaps in, and then they had to bring in Alex Light, and and Nick Bosa just abused him all game. Yeah, Demonte Moore Alex abused him game. too. It was it was bad. Yeah, was yeah. Really so they're they're getting they're getting those guys back. 49ers are getting three huge pieces back. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also the game where Justin School started at left tackle with a bruise from his hip down to his ankle yep. and had a poor game, and then Brunskill relieved him, came in and played really, really well. Um, so the 49ers did experience a big drop-off there at the beginning in yeah. that game. Um, Jimmy didn't have a whole lot of time to pass, and a lot of it came from School having a rough day. He had a couple yep. holding penalties. He had a false start. He just wasn't himself, you know. Like I said, a bruise from your from your thigh, your hip down to your ankle, that sounds miserable. That yeah. sounds miserable. <laughs> um, but but from from the Packers standpoint, you know what what for you, what guys scare you the most? Is is it certain players, certain group? What scares you about it's, the Packers? I don't. And that's the weird part about this game. Nothing scares me about this Packers team. And that's not being me being an arrogant asshole. It just means. When I watch them play, they're just not. This isn't. This isn't the Aaron Rodgers with Jordy Nelson and Donald Driver and and Randall Cobb. This is Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and that's it. Like Jimmy Graham doesn't scare me because we have an answer for that. Fred Warner, Jimmy Ward, Jaquaski Tart. Aaron Jones doesn't really put too much fear into me because the Niners' run game, run defense has gotten better. 
and adding Quan yeah. back into the mix that helps out quite a bit. We talked about Quan Alexander. He may miss some tackles, but he's around the ball, slowing that runner down, and the other guys can rally. We saw that against the Vikings game. It was just gang tackle after gang tackle after gang tackle. Um, you know, when you look at it on paper, everything suggests the Niners should win. You know, Niners are fourth in offense, Packers are 18th in offense. Niners are second in defense, Packers are 18th in defense. Niners are 13th in passing, the Packers are, are seventh, 17th in passing. And then the rushing game, Niners are second versus the 15th uh, best rush in the, in the Packers. But what worries me, though, is it's a playoff game, and anything can happen, you know. Um, we talk, they, we, you know, I've read a lot today and yesterday about the, the Packers' offensive line, how they don't allow too much rush, too many rushes, and Bakhtiari's been really good. But Nick Bosa dog-walked Bar- Bakhtiari all game last time. Mm-hmm. So what makes me think anything else has changed? Um, the the Niners' defensive interior, you know, between Buckner and Armstead, you know, these guys are 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". If you, really, if you look at the film, if you're watching the Packers, their interior offensive line, they like to get really high. And that's an advantage to the Niners because Armstead and Buckner are tall as fuck. They're, gonna, they're leaning on you and pushing you back. They're collapsing the pocket onto the quarterback. Um, you know, and you saw that even against the Seahawks, who don't really have that great of a pass rush. They were getting to Aaron Rodgers, making him uncomfortable in that second half. And it's just one of those things where I'm not really too concerned. Now, the concerning part, I guess, would be how do the Niners wide receivers match up against the Packers' corners and safeties mm-hmm. and things like that. But I think I trust Kyle Shanahan enough to give these guys, you know, a lot of routes to where they're getting open. But the problem is, we saw it versus the Vikings, maybe the Packers want to shut the middle of the field down and force Jimmy to throw to the numbers. Yeah, and that's, that's maybe what they do. That's maybe what they do, but the problem with the Packers to me is they don't have any linebackers. Yep. They don't have those athletic cover guys that can can shut down the center of the field. Yeah. Look, I, I like Adrian Amos, and I like, I like Darnell Savage as safeties. Me too, yeah. I like them as safeties. I think they're very good. But outside of Blake Martinez, I mean, who are their linebackers that are going to do anything? I think this is a game where Kittle's going to go off. We yeah. Saw, we, we, we saw it. I mean, we saw it in the first game. It was a big Kittle game the first time. I think we're going to see a lot of the same here just because they, how do you cover him without freeing up other people? Yeah. Right? So I, I think what we're going to see for the, from the 49ers on offense is a lot of what we see every week. Emmanuel Sanders is going to come out on the first drive. He's going to have two or three catches. He's going to get the offense humming. And then Debo and Kendrick and Kittle are going to start to get going. But that first drive is Emmanuel Sanders. And it seems like that's always what it is. That's always yeah. what it is. Um, you're, you're absolutely right about the run defense, though. Because when you're saying it, it's gotten better with Quan, Dalvin Cook came in highly, did highly hyped. Hi, he ran for over 100 yards against the Saints. Yeah. 18 yards on nine carries, an average of two. And it looks like by the end of the game, he didn't even want the ball. Yeah. He didn't even want the ball. Defense was hyped. They were, like you said, there was five red jerseys every time someone touched the ball. Five red jerseys right there, gang tackle. Gang tackle. The Packers, look, Devontae Adams scares me. But the thing with Devontae Adams is you look at his catches from last week against the Seahawks. Most of them, he was wide open. Yeah. This wasn't Aaron Rodgers squeezing it. Now, Aaron Rodgers had a couple dimes. Don't get me wrong. Aaron Rodgers, when he gets time, can still throw the ball. He can still throw the ball. I just don't think he's the same at creating like he used to be. Once the pocket collapses, once he has a scramble, and I don't think he has the weapons anymore. Like you said, the Don Driver, the the Greg Jennings, the, the Jordy Nelsons. He doesn't have those guys anymore. So if they can bracket Devontae Adams. If they can yeah. make sure someone stays over the top of him, I think they'll be okay. Um, look, Mosley's been very good. Sherman, we know, playing an all-pro level. I, I just think the, the, the 49ers' strengths match up with the Packers' weaknesses. Yeah. I, I, that's, what I, that's what I thought in Week 12, and I think the same exact thing this week. I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling to find ways in which I think the Packers can win this game. Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's the thing. You know, you, that's... that's it's the beauty of football. Anything can happen. and But, you know, most Sundays, the best team usually wins, and the Niners, on paper, are the better team, you know. And, the, you know, the thing with this game, as long as the Niners don't start slow, have some mental errors or just stupid mistakes, 
you know, they should be able to win this game. And you don't want to give give the ball, turn the ball over, Jimmy. You don't want to fumble the ball, Brita. You know, you got to keep make this game has to be clean a clean game another another game now jimmy wasn't clean last week he was like dying to throw a pick just to get it out of the system um but he you know he threw it and hopefully that's out of his system and the niners can just you know go into this game and and play it clean um it's you know and and i don't know it's just there's just something about this team that has this i have this weird calm over me but it also is this anxiousness about it it's just like it's almost too good to be true and that's that's the shit that irritates me (laughs) Um, to where I'm like, I'm not comfortable, you know, being cocky or super hype about this game. It's not that I don't have confidence in my team. It's just, there's when, if something in my lifetime, if something's, something's too good to be true, it usually is. And, and hopefully this is not the case for the Niners. And I, you know, I would love for this team to make a Super Bowl and win it all, you know, get the sixth one. But, um, you know, this game is going to be, it's going to come down to just who coaches better. And I think the better coach is on our side from Salah and Kyle Shanahan. You know, it's just Kyle Shanahan and his adjustments. Whereas you, when you really watch the Packers, there's not that many adjustments that go on in these games. And it's, um, it's just weird because you saw it against the, the Seahawks. They didn't really make too many adjustments to beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks kind of made all the adjustments, and Packers were kind of holding on towards the end. And that's just kind of how I viewed the Packers most of the year. They kind of just get up on you, and then they hold on. And, you know, in, for you know for 13 games, they held on. But there was games that just got too close, you know. And you know, people talk about they won six games straight. The last six games, they played the Giants, the Redskins, the Bears, the Lions. It wasn't like the Niners, like the Niners who went through the Ravens, the Saints, the Packers, the Rams, the Seahawks. Like that's a completely different gauntlet, so to speak, of of opponents to finish your season off of. So I mean, the the Packers have got a whole bunch of get right games, whereas the Niners have been battle tested each week since that Packers game. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it is going to come down to a lot of coaching. And and look. Shanahan and LaFleur are both offensive gurus. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say LaFleur isn't. LaFleur is a very good offensive-minded head coach. I just trust that Shanahan has more, A, head coaching experience, and B, really big game coaching experience because his teams have gone far. Yeah. And he's been in a, in a big situation. And, again, I think a lot of this comes back. This comes back to my favorite Kyle Shanahan story. After he got hired by the 49ers, this is fresh off the 28-3 collapse of the Falcons when the Patriots come back to win, win that Super Bowl. They go to the Combine, and Kyle Shanahan spent his time picking Bill Belichick's brain. And he asked him, how did we lose? What happened? What From, from your angle, why did we lose this game? Because he didn't get a chance to have that decompression in, in, in Atlanta, right? He leaves Atlanta pretty much right away, and he has to go straight to San Francisco be hired as the head coach. So he took an opportunity to go to the best coach in football, maybe the best coach of all time, depending on where you sit between Belichick and Bill Walsh. Yeah. To go pick his brain and figure out, what, what did I do wrong? How could I have changed this? What, what could I have done to win this game? And I think that just, that right there, immediately through all of this, Kyle Shanahan is an arrogant prick cliche kind of mindset that everybody had about him i threw it right out the window yeah and a lot of that comes from that 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 mantra about him that kajay hands just arrogant some of it comes from my favorite clip of the week <laughs> that left coast shared where shanahan and, and and patine were coaches together on the browns and they get the ball in the red zone teen looks at him and goes i think we should run the ball and the look <laughs> that Kyle shit. That's that's the birth of disrespectful Kyle. Yeah, that's it right there. That's the birth. That's the origin story. That's that's like we're, we're on the third movie, right? Now we've just gone back and they just did like the origin story movie, and we just saw it. <laughs> we just saw the birth of disrespectful Kyle. Yeah, and and then he I mean, proceeds to throw it on him. I think that Shanahan has been in been in Patine's head for years, and I I trust Shanahan to outmaneuver. Out scheme, out adjust, Mike Patine. I trust that more than I trust Lafleur to do the same thing to Robert Sala because Robert Sala at halftime is an incredible, incredible adjuster. Yeah, it's um, 
the Niners, the coach staff as a whole, coming out of the half, they've just been they been one of the better teams scoring-wise and then not allowing scores in the third quarter just because they make the adjustments at the halftime. And, you know, we talked about it all year. Kyle Shannon has mentioned it, doubling up on teams. You know, if the Niners defer in the first half and they, they mm-hmm. make a stop and they score right away, you know, and then they get the ball right before half, and whether that's three or seven, then they get the ball right out of half and they score again three or seven, you're doubling up on teams, and that's how you start winning games. That's how you start blowing teams out. And I think that's just a way for the Niners to win this game. You know, do it that the same formula. You know, I don't think you're get to this point in the season where you want to start changing everything up and being too creative or too conservative. Just kind of do what's gotten you there, and you should be fine. Um, so, you know, let's talk about it, man. Keys to victory. Like, where do you want to start? I'll start with my first one, and it comes down to one of those players that didn't play in the first game. Yeah. And mine is Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey against one of the best, I would say the best, if these guys named D4 and Nick Bosa didn't exist. I would say the best. Pair of edge rushers. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, the yeah. brothers Smith. I think Staley and McGlinchey are going to have their hands full. Now, they are both playing at an extremely high level right now. Both of them have been for weeks. These guys, these guys are playing out of their mind. They need to continue that because you cannot let the Smith brothers just come in and and physically dominate the game and and, and alter alter the game in a way that because Jimmy has an issue with fumbling in the pocket. Mm-hmm. We saw how quickly that game changed in Week Twelve on the first possession when Aaron Rodgers gets the ball knocked out. The 49ers recover early. You can't have something like that happen. So, uh, number one key of the game to me is Staley and McGlinchey have to win their matchups against Sidarius and Preston Smith. Yeah, Staley's been lights out since, what, the Falcons game? Um, not allowing a pressure in three games uh, or a sack. So, he's been elite Joe Staley um, This mm-hmm. you know these last three, four games. And McGlinchey, outside the hiccup, um, where he had the offside or false start, and then the sack to Daniel Hunter was outstanding last week. One of his better run blocking games, according to PFF. So I'm with you, man. Stalen McGlinchey got to be on their p's and q's because Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith will come with it. Even Kenny Clark can line up, you know, over, you know, on the outside shoulder of a guard and you know, kind of attack a tackle there. So you know, the, I'm with you on that. Um, Mine's going to be on the other side, and that's Fred Warner. And I think Fred Warner had an outstanding game the first time. I think he can replicate that the second time. And this goes back to, you know, why what doesn't worry me about the Packers is Jimmy Graham. He doesn't really worry me because we have a coverage linebacker. We have three of them actually, and three of them. you know those guys can these guys communicate well in you know in coverage. Whether that's Greenlaw and Warner or Green, or Warner and Quan, they they communicate great. And they can make plays. They can run with tight ends. They can run with um, running backs. And this is where this is why you go and draft a guy like Fred Warner for these moments like this, where you have to line up against a tight end and possibly a slot receiver. But I think Fred is going to be a big factor in this game. He had a monster game last time, and I don't see why he wouldn't have one again. He's been lights out all season. He's been one of the most consistent players on this team. Um, you know, PFF doesn't grade out grade him out so well, but I'm not really too concerned about that. The film shows me otherwise that he's been one of the better linebackers in football in coverage and versus the run. Um, last week he was just all over. Not last week, excuse me. The the last time they played, he was everywhere. He was in everybody's face. He was downhill, cl- clogging the holes for Aaron Jones. Um, you know, keeping things in front of him. Nothing was getting behind him. So Fred Warner is my first key to victory in this game. Yeah, look, Jimmy Graham has been running through wet cement since, like, 2017. That man, his knees are shot. He can't really do it anymore. Uh, the thing he does well is he is a big body and he catches the ball well. So if you put it near him, not not, 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 not like he used to be, but if you, if you get it within a catchable radius, which Aaron Rodgers, a very extremely accurate quarterback, can do, he can catch the ball. He's not going to go anywhere after he gets it, like we saw against Seahawks. Yeah. He's just going to kind of flop down. Because he can't move anymore. But he still can catch the ball, and he still presents a big target. But, look, Fred Warner, linebacker one. I've been saying it for weeks, almost months now. Fred Warner, linebacker one. You give him back his running mate in Quan Alexander. You give him Drake Greenlaw, who got invaluable experience starting when Quan Alexander was down. The Packers may not be able to take away the middle of the field from the 49ers, but the 49ers can certainly take the middle of the field away from the Packers. 
Yeah. And I think that's I think that's something we're going to see. And, and and you're right, Fred Warner is equally as good against the run as he is in the pass. And when you line those three guys up, I don't care what combination of three of them are in there. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun to watch. These guys fast, strong, violent when they hit players. And and Fred Warner, I I I, I, I just think the whole team the linebacker core, especially, yeah, benefited when Quan Alexander went down because it yeah. allowed Fred Warner to ascend to be that guy on defense. It allowed Dre Greenlaw to get snaps and time to learn and time to take his lumps mm-hmm. before he's need to be pressed into into service in the playoffs when he's just a rookie that has he's only played five percent snaps. Now all of a sudden you got you got a guy that's developed into the big leader and you got a guy that developed into a very solid contributor. And now you get Quan back. Blessing in disguise. Kind of like Jimmy's ACL. <laughs> blessing, in, blessing in disguise, right? Because Jimmy came out and said that. Yeah. Said his ACL tear was a, was a blessing in disguise. But sticking on defense, my second key to the game. Emmanuel Mosley. Mm-hmm. He's taken over for Akella Witherspoon. He is going to get the start this week. Most likely, yeah. We talked about Akella Witherspoon, confidence issues, has the talent. We think he can get back. But it's going to be next year. Unless something happens, it's going to be next year when we see Akello get significant playing time again. Until for the foreseeable future, we're going to see Sherman, Mosley, and Kwan Williams. Yeah. Emmanuel Mosley has to have a game because Sherman stays on one side of the field. Mm-hmm. Stays on one side of the field. So they could do what the Vikings tried to do and try and pick on the opposite side. Yep. Because you got Omar on the other side. You're not throwing at Omar. Yeah. Not coming at the king. So you're going to go on the other side. So Emmanuel Mosley has to have a good game. He had a he had a really good game against Packers in Week 12. He's seen them before, but they've also seen him before. Yeah. So this isn't an unknown quantity to them anymore. They have tape on him. They've seen him play now for significant chunks of the the second half of the season. He has to step up and have a good game. He can't be like the Seattle corners, like I said, where they were getting completely juked out of their shoes by Devontae Adams, leaving him wide open. Devontae Adams is a Big man. Yes. He's not a small receiver. He's a big guy, and he can fly. Yeah, he's a so tough if that guy. guy. Gets the, if that guy gets the ball in his hands, he's hard to bring down, and you do not want to give it. Because when he strides, I don't think I've ever seen a wide receiver take longer strides than Devontae Adams. It feels like every time he steps, he's five yards further down the field. You don't want to, you don't want to give him a chance. You don't want to give him open field. So my second key of the game, Emmanuel Mosley stepping up and playing just as good as he did last week against Vikings. Yeah, I think Emmanuel Mosley is going to be a big factor in this game. He's going to have to step up big time, and I think he will. I thought he played well the first time, and a lot of that had to do with you know the, the Niners pass rush guy and getting home and keeping things um, from getting behind these, the secondary, and a lot of that is, you know, that's up to the floor for being, you know, he's got to be smarter than that and make sure Aaron Rodgers gets, you know, faster. Um, quicker, you know, quicker balls out and things like that. You know, these five-step drops aren't going to work against the Niners if, if the pass rush is allowed to just pin their ears back and get after them. So um, that's something the Niners need to watch out for, for the quick game and these passes. So, yeah, E-Man definitely going to have a big – he needs to be very, very big, solid in, in his coverage all the way around. Um, you know, my other key to victory is Kyle Shanahan himself. And this is Kyle Shanahan. You know, you are – the last time you played the Packers in the playoffs, you, you were a Falcon – and you absolutely dismantled the Packers. And, mm-hmm. you know, and can, does he have a similar game plan? Um, no, because there's no Julio Jones on this 49ers roster. But he does have a George Kittle. He does have a Debo Samuels. He does have a lot of weapons at his disposal where he can get things matched up. And I think Kyle Shanahan is going to have a field day um, versus guys like Blake Martinez in coverage where he can get George Kittle one-on-one with Blake Martinez, and I'm going to take that matchup every damn day. Um, Debo Samuels on Blake Martinez, I'm going to take that matchup every day in favor of the Niners. It's just Kyle Shanahan being able to find the weakness and just abuse that weakness over and over and over. And then when the Packers adjust, well, we have another way to exploit that 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 uh, that weakness. So I think Kyle Shanahan is going to have – to come with his Shanna hat, he's going to have to be disrespectful. He's going to have to be um, the head coach he's been all year, and that's been one that's been steps ahead of the defense. And um, for them to exploit the weaknesses in this Packers defense, because there are quite a few, and a lot of it has to do with up the middle, and that's between Blake Martinez and those safeties and just the lack of communication um, 
in that Packers defense. And I know we people have been discussing how good the Packers have been these last six, seven games, but they haven't, you know, like the Niners, who didn't play very tough opponents in the beginning of the year, the Packers didn't finish strongly against some elite talent. They struggled against the Redskins. They beat up a bad Giants team. Uh, the Bears stink. Uh, the Lions ba- almost beat them in the, in the finale. You know, yes, you beat up on Kirk Cousins, but that's Kirk Cousins. It's, you know, the difference between the last six games for both teams is, is it's it's really different. It's just, um, I, I don't know. I just think the Niners have been a little bit more tested than the Packers, and I think Kyle Shanahan has seen a lot of things this season to help his offense evolve further and further as the team goes on uh, throughout these playoffs, and hopefully this is not the final game of the playoff for the Niners. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I got nothing to argue with there, man. You said it. <laughs> You said it. Um, so I'm hit my third key. Yeah. I'm hit my third key. Debo Samuel. Debo. Had a monster slant, took it to the house. Yeah. Against Packers Week 12. That seemed to almost be the jumping off point for him. Yeah. Since then, we've seen him become a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger part of this offense. Uh, he's become Jimmy's safety blanket almost. Well, that's not true. The safety blanket is George Kittle. It's always George Kittle. Yeah, it's always George. It's always George. It's always a tight end, and it's always a tight end of the caliber that's George Kittle. Tight end one. Yep. But when it comes to big plays, Debo has been that guy. Whether it be with the ball in his hands, where he gets to he gets Jimmy, Jimmy Pancakes as a <laughs> blocker. Whether he takes to the house with a spin move, whether he's making plays where passes he catches he makes incredible catches. He does. Yes. Um we saw in the first drive against the Vikings. Look, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had a pass that was behind Debo. Debo contorted his body to make catch. Held on to it over the middle. You just said it. Over the middle is where they're going to make their money. Mm-hmm. They need to make their money over the middle, and I think this is where Debo can excel. Yep. He can beat the corner. Look, Jair Alexander, excuse me, very good corner. Yes, he is. Debo can beat him on a slant, and I don't think the Packers have enough help to prevent that from happening. Yeah. And Debo is most electric once he gets the ball in his hands. You said it before, he does fumble. Yep. It does happen. But as long as he holds on to the ball and makes those plays over the middle, I think he's a big key because I think, like I said, Sanders is going to get the ball early, mm-hmm. then they're going to Debo, and Debo is going to make the big chunk plays along with Kittle. But I really think Debo is the one that has to get going, and I think this is going to be a big, big Debo game. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm there with you. Debo and Kittle and just these, all these pass catchers need to step up, and I think Debo is going to be a big part of that. So I, I, I agree with you there. Um, the last one is the two guys who didn't play the first time, D. Ford, Quan Alexander. You mm-hmm. know, the stat is the passer rating of three when D. Ford, Quan, and Kwaski are on the field together. They're both back. Quan and Ford are back for this game, um, and that's just going to be. To me, it's just a nightmare for this defensive offensive line of the Packers. You have to figure out now who are you going to double. Last time it was Demontre Moore, but he was, you know, dog walking Bakhtiari as well, and he was doing things yeah. out there with a fractured arm. Um, you know, this is kind of what I'm saying. You know, we've been talking about it. it; just seems too good to be true. There's just so much lining up right for this Niners team, um, and you know, having D. Ford and Quan back at the perfect time um, for a game like this of this magnitude with guys. You know, the speed is back, and you saw it against the Vikings, and they just shut everything down. Runs, pass, screens, you name it, they were all over it. The speed is back, um, and D. Ford and Quan Alexander being back in this game um, could be just another element that seems to be, might be just too much for the Packers um, in this in this game. So D. Ford and Quan Alexander just getting their snaps, you know, whether Quan plays the full game or just does what he did last week where he comes in and in, 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 um, base packages, and then D. Ford, of course, on his passing situations, you know, if D. Ford's giving you 22, 25 snaps a game and he's getting those pressures, he's getting a sack, he's getting a sack fumble, you know, that's what you paid him for. You paid him to be a pass rusher. And like his press conference said, they paid me to go that way. And that way being going <laughs> to the quarterback, that's what you paid him for. And um, this game is going to be another example of why you paid him and why he is one of the better pass rushers in football. Um, and you know, for him to have those weeks off, he's super fresh too. Like that's the another, that's another part about this season too, that, you know, Joe Staley missed a lot of time, but he's fresher. McGlinchey missed some time. He's fresher than you know, the guys who played full 16 game seasons that would apply to D Ford as well. And even Quan. Quan said it after the game against the Vikings. Like, yeah, I can tell I haven't played in a while. I just felt faster than everybody else. Yeah. Cause he didn't have the wear and tear 
on his legs and on his joints and everything else. So, you know, that's that's just a, a benefit to this Niners team. And, you know, D Ford and Quan Alexander um, are going to be the final pieces to this victory that the, hopefully the 49ers come out with on Sunday. Yeah, it's funny because you say D Ford, Quan Alexander, and I think they're going to make their biggest impacts when they aren't on the field together. Yeah. I think Quan Alexander coming in the base downs, I think he's going to be a key to getting it to third and long. Yep. He's going to be the guy that has to cover underneath. He's going to be the guy that make, making tackles in the run game. And in third and long, that's when you get your pass rushers. You get Armstead, Buckner, Bosa, Ford. You throw them. You know what? Roll the dice. Yeah. Put them anywhere you want them. It doesn't matter because those guys are going to be able to make an impact. Inside, outside, all four of them can rush from any position along the line. And, and we saw it against the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Putting D Ford, Nick Bosa on the same side of the line is goddamn cheat code. Yes. The it's, Konami code. It's whatever it is. That's that's what it is. And I so I think that they are going to have a huge impact on the game. Just not when the other one's on the field. Quan's going to be doing it early on the downs. And on third down, when it's a passing situation, D Ford's coming in. He's coming out guns blazing. And I, I, I think you're absolutely right when it comes to how fresh those guys are. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. The, the playoffs, it's very rarely about who the best team is. It's about who the healthiest team is. Yep. And the 49ers just happen to get healthiest at the right time. And it just so happens that they are also the most you know, the most talented team, top to bottom. Yeah, it should be. So prediction time, right? Yeah, so let's talk about it. The Niners should come out of this game victorious. And like I said earlier, I think the Niners win by 10 points. And 30 points seems to be the sweet spot for the Niners all season. 29.8 mm-hmm. points per game on the year. So I'm going to go with Niners 30, Packers 20. And, you know, it's it's on to the Super Bowl, man. It's We're going to the Super Bowl. And I, I, don't, I don't see why we wouldn't. And I don't see why we can't. Um, everything is lined up just right. You know, we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. There's just so much has gone wrong for this team over the past five, six years. And then most recently, the last two years, with all the, you know, the, the loss with Dwight Clark, Tony York, T.J. Beathard's brother, those things kind of have a way of galvanizing a team and uniting a team and having them super confident and just being a unit. And this team has been through everything. You know, you talked about it earlier with Justin School, where Brunsko comes in. He doesn't make an excuse for school, but he he helps him out after that Packers game. He's like, listen, if you would have known what, what school was dealing with going to that game, we kept that in-house, but we take care of our brothers. Akella Witherspoon comes out of the game last week, says, yo, give me Mosley's um, special team snaps. This team, the running backs, they don't care who's getting the touches. Whoever gets them, they're going to back each other up. George Kittle, he'd rather fucking run block than receive a, you know, have a 100-yard game. It's just the commitment from this team all the way around. Um, you know, but from Bosa, Buckner, Armstead, the rotation on the defensive line, the brotherhood in the linebacking room, you know, all the faith these guys put in Jimmy Ward at safety. Um, you know, you, we, we, we were all concerned as Niners fans when Akello got hurt the first time. Oh, man, we're going to miss our corner. Sherman's like, if you would have saw what we saw in practice with Emmanuel Mosley, you would not be concerned. He was right. You know, there's just so much here. 30-20, Niners pull this one out. They're on their way to their seventh Super Bowl and hopefully their sixth Super Bowl title. Hey, look, I talked about it on Twitter earlier this week. Richard Sherman, when he first came over last year, was very quiet. Yes. He was very quiet. Mm-hmm. And, and, and rightfully so. Team wasn't winning. And even though he was even quiet leading up to the year, right? Even though the Jimmy hype was there, he was quiet. Since June, Sherman's been chirping. He's been talking, and that's because he knew how good this team was. And I think that's a really good barometer of, of where this team is. And I think they've taken on the personality of Richard Sherman. Yeah. The offense has taken on the personality of Joe Staley, of Mike McGlinchey, of, of George Kittle. They've taken on these personalities as their leaders, and, and, they're, and they're, they're winning week in and week out. And when one guy, ha- like you said, when one guy has a bad week, someone else steps up and takes his place. Look, I don't think this is 37-8 like no. it was in Week 12. It's not. I, I, it might be. I just don't think it's going to be. But I got to win him by 14. I got 31-17. That's the number I've had in my head all week. 31-17. I think the 49ers come in. I think they take care of business. I think this, is, this has been strictly business for them all year. 
I don't think it stops now. I don't like this this narrative out there right now that the 49ers are just going to waltz in there and expect to be given the NFC title. I guarantee there's not a single fucking player in that locker room that believes that they are given this title. Correct. Not not one. All of them are plastering our boy Adam Ranks stuff up there. Yep. They are plastering them picking the Vikings. Everybody picking the Vikings. They're plastering all these, this team isn't it. This team can't hang. This team can't do this. They are ignoring the white noise that they are good. Mm-hmm. The only thing they see is people doubting them, and that's the attitude they've had all year. It's the attitude they've had all year. Look, Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football called him Tommen, said they were soft and just expected to get the crown. <laughs> and he's also said that the Packers are Joffrey, whatever. It's a little bit of a weird thing. But anyway, yeah. no, they're like Brand, the broken, right? They've taken their lumps. They've just been sitting there like, we know who's going to be sitting on the throne at the end. It's us. We've seen it already. We're just going to play our game, and we're going to win in the end. And I, 31-17, 49ers take this one on the Super Bowl. Man, I'm excited. Yeah, I think every 49er fan is very excited for this game. I think they're also as equally nervous as the rest of us. Um, because anything can happen, but I think this team has been the best team in football all year, and there's no reason for them to stop right now. They are home. They have everything in their favor, and you don't squander these opportunities, and I don't think this team is in that mental state where they think everything is given to them or um, you know, they've, they've, they've arrived. They, they know what they have to yep. do. We talked about it with Tyler Dunn at the beginning of the year. It's a mentality in that team. You know, they, they know what they're after. They know what they want to get. And they're one game away from getting to the Super Bowl. And this game is a humongous game for Jimmy Garoppolo, for Kyle Shanahan, for John Lynch. It's the biggest game, you know, since that last Super Bowl, you know, since, since the Ravens Super Bowl, since the, the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks. This is a humongous game. And I think, I don't think the Niners are going to let this one squander away. They are going to come out ready, prepared, and and roaring to go. They are home. They are the number one seed for a reason. They've earned it. They are the gauntlet. You know, they ha- everyone has to come see the Niners. And this is the road to the Super Bowl goes through San Francisco. And I don't think it stops this Sunday. I think the Niners pull this out just like you. Um, but that should do it, man. The the game is Sunday, second game of the night. I was wishing it was the first game of the day, just so I would not have to worry about being sick to my stomach all goddamn day. But <laughs> it is what it is. The NFL schedules it for a reason that way. Ratings most likely, and uh, you know, for everyone out there, you know, who ordered your disrespectful Kyle shirts, the second order, those are gonna be shipped out very soon. Um, we had a little bit of delay because of weather as far as shipping the t-shirts to my printer. So those of you who ordered one, I didn't forget about you. I haven't forgotten about you. Everyone should have gotten their shirts the first run. Um, and the second one will be out probably tomorrow night, tomorrow morning. I have a phone call here after this to go pick up the other shirts. So I'm going to get those out. I'm going to be up late most likely tonight getting those out to you guys. And, um, you know, any other giveaway we got going on. Yeah. George Kittle signed football. Um, all you got to do, rate, review, subscribe. If you're on Apple, you know, you leave those reviews. They're, they're pouring in right now. It's awesome to hear what you guys think. Look, we're not looking for five-star reviews. If you think we're a three-star podcast, rate us three stars. Yeah. Let us know how we can improve. We don't you're get You're not going to win if you're a three-star rater. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> you might win. You might win. It's all random. It's all going into an Excel program I got going on. That's all it is. Just make sure you leave your Twitter handle in, in, in your review. Um, if, if you can't review, if you listen on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, whatever else, just shoot me a DM. My DMs are open, as you might have seen earlier tonight when some guy told me all my takes were ass. So that was fun. That was fun. So so my DMs are always open, guys. So so just shoot me one with a screenshot of you subscribed. Um, we'll get you entered. We'll, we'll, we'll add you to the list. We're going to punch it into this Excel spreadsheet. We're going to generate a random number. We're going to give that football away. Big thank you to our guy, David. You know, he really helping us out by hooking this one up. Um, it was supposed to be a Christmas present for somebody, and then everything got lost in the sauce. But now <laughs> we're going to celebrate the MC Championship game with it. So make sure you get those reviews in. Everything will be announced in the winter next week. And then, hey, we're less than, we're less than what, three days away now? Yeah, three sleeps. Three sleeps. Yep. Tonight, Friday, Saturday. Three, sli- yep. three sleeps. Three sleeps from the game. Let's go. Yeah, let's go, Niner Faithful. If you're going to the game, you guys know what to do. Loud and proud. 
be loud on defense, shut the hell up on offense, and uh, <laughs> just do your thing when you're out there. Um, I'm Javi. That is Matt. Follow us on Twitter at Fourth and Gold Podcast. Follow myself on Twitter at JavierVague underscore, and follow my guy Matt. At Matt Bar underscore. And then, of course, the podcast, like Matt said, subscribe, rate, review if you have iTunes. If you don't, send a DM or just tag us on a, on a post or something, and we'll, we'll get you in there for the uh, giveaway. Um, the, the podcast available on all podcast platforms. So wherever you listen to it right now, just hit that subscribe button, follow button, whatever it says on the screen, and uh, you'll be getting our content on a weekly basis. Um, this is it, man. One more game for the season. Everything's on the line right now. You know, you, this is gives you one more opportunity to play for it all, and this is the game the Niners have earned, and they should come out victorious. Everything is lining up right. So let's go, Niners. Peace.